This is Red Flags and Red Cards, a podcast about racing, soccer, and everything in between. Oh. I lost you. Can you... Oh, you're going away. Hello? Where'd you go? I miss you so. Like it's been forever and you've been gone. Thank you for spending your next hour or so with us. My name is Nick alongside Josh. Josh, how is North Carolina at this very moment? It is very nice. The uh, It's warm today, but the weather is cooling off, which I enjoy immensely. Looking at a day where it's not even supposed to get out of the 60s or out of the 50s this week. So that's I'm jealous. You know, favorite time of the year coming up. How are you doing there in Nashville? Doing well. Uh, we just had a, I just got trapped by a random rainstorm that passed through that was not expected, um, mm. and it's very windy. So I'm not sure what that's all about. But other than that, you know, it's basically still summer here. It's like 84 <laughs> degrees. Today. And I saw it. I was sweating. You got a new longboard as well. I did. Um, I've got a good friend in Kentucky. Um, Shoot, we've known each other for, I guess, nine years now. And I was in Kentucky last week, and I saw his longboard in the garage, and I was like, hey, uh, he was he's in Florida right now. I was like, hey, how much do you want for this? And he was like, oh, let's do 70 bucks. I said, how about 50? He said, sold. So I was like, all right, I finally have you, I have a longboard. So ch- test that thing out today. Um, I'm not great at it at all, but alas, it's still very fun and mm-hmm. worth posting on Instagram. Absolutely. I also posted um, Albus dancing to Machine Gun Kelly today. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> oh, it's, it's quite gold. Um, I I really, unfortunately, like that record. It's it's good, man. And Halsey needs to yep. come out with her own punk. Yes, pop, indeed. Pop, that pop punk record. Good grief. Yes. I've never listened to her before, and I, I listened to some of her other tracks uh, the other day. And she's she's good. She's very good. Mm-hmm. She has said that she uh, has one of her big influences vocally. I mean, I haven't listened to her stuff much either, but is the story so far. Um, wow. Which is just such a random band to have. Be. <laughs> I just love their range and their what? No. <laughs> I mean, props to the story so far. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, for real. Nice. So, well, we had a um, busy day on four wheels this weekend. Uh, not much with um, soccer balls. Um, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but, um, wow, that was weird. Um, but we had some road course racing at the Roval disclaimer. I do not like the Roval name. Um, I never will like it. I get it. I say it. I don't like it. No one understands why I don't like it. I just don't like it. And that's all I have about that. <laughs> uh, yes. but, but, um, <laughs> It was an awesome weekend because we saw stock cars racing in the rain and mm-hmm. we saw them racing in small creeks, basically. Would you agree? <laughs> yes. The uh, the Xfinity race is probably 
I mean, the biggest, bigger talking point from the weekend. Yes. Because that was an absolute downpour that they were driving through. And there was tons of standing water on the track, which at times made it look like a flood. There was some of the, the times watching on the track, they always look like they're going slower on TV than in person. Mm-hmm. But there was times where it looked, I was like, I feel like these guys are going the speed I go in my neighborhood. Right around some of this especially when they were coming out of i guess that was turn uh i'm not good with the turns there i want to say turn five somewhere in there i don't know i don't know where it was anyway yeah yeah like you said it looks like they're going super slow plus the splitters you know there's a lot of water when the splitters are actually plowing the water out of the way (laughs) uh and yeah that's there, there was a lot of criticism about that. That's kind of where maybe that's too much water. You know, maybe, maybe that's when we need to call a red flag, which they ended up doing um, at one point. So these guys raced in a ton of water and rain, and I guess pretty much for the Xfinity race, it rained the whole time, right? It just depended on how much was coming down. Yeah, there really weren't many breaks. There was a few times where it got to where it was raining lighter, than at other areas um and then at the end it was just a downpour i'm i'm shocked they got to the finish because at, it was getting dark there weren't as it wasn't very well lit in the infield uh several times that uh at the end aj almondinger was saying you know i couldn't see the turns at some points you're just you're just turning on feel and kind of driving it in there mm-hmm. and so it was really it was it as much as it was it was a combination of being really kind of a really cool once in a lifetime, not once in a lifetime, but very rare thing to see. It kind of had similarities I would put to an NFL game in December. You just play in like a place like Buffalo where they just happen to get an absolute downpour of snow. Yeah. And the final score is like six to three or something like that, because it's just in- incredibly difficult to play in and you don't get a good game, but it just makes this extremely neat thing to see and it was also a big learning experience for nascar because it's the first time they've ever called a race they've called races with rain and had rain tires but not that type of rain with standing water like it had and so for them it was the xfinity race was a guinea pig of sorts where they learned what they can and can't do and the next day they even or that night they texted all the nascar cup drivers and said hey if it's as bad as it is today we're not going to make you guys race in it wet is okay but monsoon flood like is just a little too much um at one point i think it was somebody just went it, there was like four cars or five cars wrecked coming out of turn three on the same lap and at one point there's it they show the high the replay and you see or the they cut to the angle of it and you see tommy joe martin's car and you're like oh man tommy joe martin's is in the wall and then they show a different angle and you see that he's actually stuck behind another guy oh who's, yeah he's underneath who's like completely under the this uh tire wall and then there's another person came flying in that almost flew into the back of them and somebody else in front of them had spun and you're, it was like this is hilarious and a disaster. Yeah, that's when it was getting a little out of hand for sure. Like it's 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 not it's entertaining 120 percent. Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, but then it, it was kind of it was just silly at one point. 
Not I yeah. wouldn't. I mean, some guys were saying embarrassing. I wouldn't say embarrassing. I mean, it's hard to race in that kind of rain. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see if, and they probably won't because it's NASCAR. But I, I'm curious to see if Goodwill, Goodwill. Wow, I've, I have Goodwill. Goodwill hunting. Goodwill hunting. Yes, absolutely. If <laughs> Great good, movie. It, 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 yeah, so good. I watched it for the first time like three years, two years ago. So it took, it took way too long. Uh, Mike Cheshire made me watch that movie. Just a little really? back for me. Love and that. Yeah. SLD, what's going on? <laughs> or was he your RA at that point? He was like your RA. No, it was it was funny because he was like, as the RA, he was like, I can't officially recommend watching this movie, but like <laughs> you need to watch this movie. And then the next year when he moved off campus, he's like, come over, we're watching the movie. <laughs> nice. And you will not get reps for this. <laughs> right. That's, that's um, absolute gold. Good year is what I was saying. Good year making uh, maybe two different types of wet tires like mm. maybe like an intermediate intermediate and a full wet similar to what you see in formula one because um steve latart made a good point that the goodyear doesn't really do a lot of testing of these wet tires because we don't really you know we only do it as of right now less than you know tops four times a year mm-hmm. and they just don't put a lot of thought into rain tires so it's like okay here's our rain tire do what you will and maybe doing a little bit more research and testing with some sort of rain tire, uh, one that disperses more water would be good. I can't remember what the actual, uh, um, what the rate is of water exiting, exiting, like the, the amount of water that is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dispersed from an F1 wet, full wet tire. I think it's like two, two liters a second. Wow. So times four. Yeah. Four, four, eight, 12, six. So 16 liters a second from the tire. So think 14 or 16 Coke two liter bottles. Mm-hmm. That's how much water is coming out in a second. So um, wow. it would be, I think it'd be really good for, for NASCAR to think about that since we're going to six, six uh, road courses next year. Only one of them is in a desert I don't, or uh, sort of a desert, Napa Valley. I don't mm-hmm. see us getting any rain in Sonoma. Uh, so, I don't know. It's a thought that I had. Um, all that to say, A.J. Allmendinger came through and won the race in great fashion. He was so patient, I think, and just really just took care of his car and went slow. He needed to go slow. And I really thought it was going to come down to you know him and Chase Briscoe last lap, but Chase Briscoe just kind of lost it. I think he was getting ready to go into the backstretch backstretch section of the track and just spun it spun around on a restart yeah wasn't it? yeah it was on the restart it was coming off of they go through heartburn turn oh that's and then what it was yep. mm-hmm. coming he just hit standing water uh and the whole thing just snapped around and there's there's you know probably i doubt there's anything he could have done you just hit that and you're along for the ride yeah but he had a he had a great race running um he stretched the gas extremely far I didn't think he'd be able to, but the one downside with the Xfinity race was that it was it took forever, partly because of the red flag, but partly because with the weather, there was just so many cautions. I think at, at one point they had completed 41 laps of the race and 21 of those laps had been run under caution. Ooh. So it kind of from that point on, there was only one more one or two more cautions, I believe. But it, it it was i think it might have been longer to run that than the cup race honestly it felt like forever mm-hmm. it really did feel like forever um but it was overall a great race 
And I feel like it overshadowed the cup race this week. Would you agree with just what 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 we thought we were going to expect on Sunday? Yeah, I think so. I think the the cup race was largely hurt, like we talked about last week, from the fact that there really wasn't a much drama with the the playoff cutoff. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of had, I mean, Kyle Busch late sort of made a strategy call to try to get up front for the lead, but it was one of those calls where it's like, I mean, they're obviously not going to make it on gas. So this and his tires were old. And Chase Elliott was so much faster that it kind of was like, a, well, OK. The, and but beyond that, there wasn't any of that drama. As far as the racing is concerned, the the cup race was awesome. And I thought NBC did a great job covering everything. I know we've kind of been hard on them the last few weeks, but you kind of notice the difference between them being at the track in person, um, because I thought that they did a great job of covering stories all throughout the field. You know, at one point they're doing a ride along with uh, Daniel Suarez as he's battling for 30th place with James Davison. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there was, there was some, it, it was really good, but I think that the last two races have had so much drama where you had the last lap, last turn crash between the 48 and uh true X. And then the next year you had chase Elliott, his rampage through the field after, starting or have after driving into the wall so because you didn't have that drama i think it felt like a letdown but as far as actual racing quality goes it was the best race they've had at the roval in my opinion i thought it was really good i feel a lot of people have said it just was subpar and it it wasn't that good i don't know i feel like you and i agree more than not when it comes to maybe a boring race and not a boring race because i don't know we we're looking more at the strategy and more at the mid race racing, the mid pack racing stuff. And mm-hmm. everyone else is like, whatever's going on in, you know, spots one through three. If nothing entertaining is going on there, then it's not a good race. And I'm a through the field person as you like you are in what's going on all 40 cars. Um, so all that to say i thought there was a lot of good battles going on it really i was supposed to go to that race but because of covid and limited fans we just decided to hold on to those tickets for next year but i i think this race is going to be a good one to go to because to be able to watch all the battles throughout the track um aside from just the lead um something that um you really obviously you'll just never get completely from a tv broadcast so i thought it was a good race i enjoyed it yeah, and I mean, it started off early. So they did have the race started off with them running on the wet tires mm-hmm. uh, because of the rain. So you did get this this first time experience of watching drivers race on a wet track. And it was uh, as I guess you could you would probably expect they were very cautious with the exception of one driver who was like, I'm going to do what I can and get through the field. And that was Ty Dillon. Did you see that coming? Dude, Ty not Dillon. Not at all. What a move, though. It's like, you know what? Let's put on slick tires and just take care of your stuff, and you'll go faster. I mean, yeah. he, he literally could probably had tiptoed his way through the corners where, where it was still wet and then just floor it through the tri-oval section of the – or the oval section of the racetrack, and he probably was gaining – who knows what i can't remember what the lap time differences were but he was gaining substantially he was four seconds faster than clint boyer towards the end of the run 
So he, in two laps, went from nine seconds behind Boyer to right behind him and then took the lead. And so it was kind of the first stage by Ty Dillon was just phenomenal. I'm trying to remember where he started, but base, I think he started, it was 17th or 19th, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And on lap, at the completion of lap four, he was in third place. So he flew through the field with the, he was just, there's the first lap I saw him get on the, on the backstretch going in the backstretch chicane. He just was way down on the bottom and everybody was so far off the gas that I think he passed six cars. He like outbroke them all and got into the corner. (laughs) And then once that caution came out and half the field stayed out, him and Newman were the only ones that pitted for slicks, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And he just flew through the field and had a well-earned first stage victory, which included Timmy Hill finishing fifth in the stage. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, what is happening? Is he in the 15 car? I know. He's in the 66. Okay. Timmy Hill. 15 is uh, um, the rookie that everyone forgets about including me right now yeah same i'm blanking out right now i'm tired yeah yeah um yeah but then i think the rest of the race like you're saying the battle for the lead may not have been as exciting uh that second stage byron got out to a bit of a lead then blaney took a big lead and then the next stage byron got out to a lead and led for a large majority of that stage until some pit cycles kind of came through. And um, then at the, the end, he finally had Elliot patiently work his way up there. Mm-hmm. And once he got in the lead, there wasn't anyone touching him. No, I, uh, yeah, let's not forget about Clint Boyer. Cause uh, he, yeah. he, well, I don't know what happened towards the end. Something broke in his car towards the end. Again, I feel like something always breaks, breaks on his car to just ruin his day. It's never his fault half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was hard charging, and uh, like you said, he uh, he had the lead early because he was uh, just doing so well in the wet tires, but then lost a lot of time on that lead because it got dry and he was still in wet tires. But overall, he was definitely a threat to win and right, literally race his way into the playoffs and win his way into the playoffs, the next mm-hmm. round of the playoffs. And unfortunately, that did not come through fruition, but... I mean, early on, I wasn't sure if we were ever going to see a playoff regular win the race. I mean, like you said, Timmy Hill finished, what, would you say fifth? Fifth in the first stage, yeah. Fifth in the yeah. first stage. So, yep. I mean, you can't really, you can take first stage for what it's worth because half the time it's not what it will be in the end. But, um, I don't know, you just kept, I mean, half the time you saw Denny Hamlin spinning around, you know, just <laughs> having a great time in the in the mud. Um, and then, I mean, Kevin Harvick was never there. Truex really wasn't there. And then, you know, at the end, there's Chase Elliott going yep. four for four on road courses. Yeah, there was there was a one moment where Hamlin had spun, you know, however many times at this point. Mm-hmm. And there's like 25 laps to go or something like that. And I look up and I see Hamlin's in fifth. And I was like, how did this happen? I know. <laughs> How does this uh, he didn't stay there, but yeah, there was it looked like aside from Elliot, there's the two other cars that could have competed for the win, I think, were Blaney and Byron. And they both Blaney had a had a spin that kind of sent him to the back. And at one point and then he also went on a different pit strategy, which got him to the back. Um, Byron was on the same strategy as Chase Elliott and came out 
would have been a spot behind him, I think, and possibly could have been battling with him towards the, you know, to get up as different people were on pit cycles. But he sped on that pit stop. And instead of restarting in the, the eighth position, he restarted in the 34th position and worked his way back up to sixth place by the end of the race. But those those two, I think, were the kind of the best cars all day until Elliott got in the lead at the end. And so you very it's almost surprising to me that one of them didn't get the victory. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Chase got to win in front of fans once again. He, I think, <laughs> I think the last time he won was, was it the uh, All-Star race in front of fans yep. that we got to witness. So that's cool for him. I'm um, not sure if fans are going to be at any other race this year. Haven't really heard. Oh, wait, Martinsville. I, My parents will yeah, be Yeah, Martinsville. And I think the plan is for there to be fans at Phoenix. I don't see why well. there wouldn't be. Yeah. It's the so. it's a desert. Nothing lives outside in the <laughs> desert. COVID, no way can COVID germs survive in that heat. I don't care what time of year it is. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to put a few other just statistics on why this race is such a good race, uh, there's, and this is true for the last, really most of the races at the Roval, but there was 2,993 green flag passes, so almost 3,000 green flag passes oh in the race. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, of that, the ones that were quality passes were 732, which basically means that for every lap of the race, there were about six quality passes somewhere on the track. Wow. That's so, what I mean. that's, so you really need to go to this race to watch all that happen. Right. Because there's a lot unfolding. A lot of guys yeah. were able to come through the field and things like that. And that's part of whenever you have a race where there's different pit strategies, it allows for that, you know, cars coming through the field. So on the whole, I thought it was a great race. Um, I think most fans seem to agree with that. It's hanging around the 80-something percentile on Jeff Gluck's was a good race poll. Is that is where it's at right now? I voted yes yeah. this morning. Same. I think it's 83.5%, which would be the lowest Roval race, but that's still a really good number for any race. Yeah. Um, back to Clint. So that's the, the race weekend. Back to old Clint Boyer. Clint announced his retirement this weekend. And I wasn't that upset about it. I'm because he's going to the Fox Sports booth. Yes. And I think he is going to provide such good content and banter with Jeff Gordon. Let's re- let's not forget that these two have a history uh, because uh, was it Jeff Gordon in 2015? 16 somewhere in there jeff took out uh clint boyer and any chance of making it to the next round of the the, uh, playoffs at the time took him out wrecked him because clint had wrecked gordon earlier and then following that clint rushed ran he ran (laughs) through the garage to jeff gordon's holler to fight him and it was a, a spectacle to behold so they're going to be side by side in the booth, and it's going to be so good. Mike Joy is definitely going to have to keep those two uh, on point and <laughs> not have go on any rabbit trails. Which I mean, Clinton really didn't do that too much, but he just added so much flair um, this year because you know with COVID and everything, he was able to call a lot of races, a lot of uh, Xfinity races from the Fox Sports studio in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And he did a, a couple of the when they were doing the iRacing races mm-hmm. on Fox at the beginning of all the the quarantine type stuff. Um, it was 
the thing that has kind of struck me this year with Fox was that Jeff Gordon is a really good analyst, um, color guy, but he's just, he's not captivating enough. Him and Mike Joy aren't captivating enough to keep my attention. So there's a lot of times where I'd be listening to it and somebody would tweet like, that's a great point Jeff made. They tweet the point. And I'm like, you know, I was listening and watching like I wasn't on my phone or anything. I was literally and I just I just kind of tuned him out. And what I noticed with those iRacing ones was Clint kind of not only did he add so much, but he kind of brought Jeff to life a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so listening to Jeff was much more engaging. And so that's what I'm excited about is to see it not just adding Clint, but it will add another dimension and energy to Jeff Gordon that I think is going to is what Fox kind of needs to reinvigorate their their production. Yeah, I mean, DW is such a uh, a brand and somewhat an ambassador for them. And yeah, was he annoying? Sure, but he really was the the color, the flair, the just you know all those things for them and for like all for Fox and Mike and Jeff were able to kind of and Larry Mack were able to really go back and forth. So that this year I've never been so excited for it to go from Fox to NBC cuz Fox is so boring. Like you said, like just kind of dry, just kind of like mm -hmm. here's the race. We're going to talk about the things that are happening on the race track. And then you go to NBC and you've got you know, you got Rick, you got Jeff, you have got Steve, you got Junior, you got Rut, um, not Rut, um, yeah, Rutledge. Boy. Thank you, Rutledge. Yeah, like, ask Rut. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, and then you got um, Dale Jarrett and Kyle Petty in the studio, and it's just a really good team and a lot of good flair and just uh, analysis from so many different points of view that it just makes the NBC production that much better. And. Uh, Oh, the uh, Parker Klingerman too. Oh, NBC. so good. It's just so he good. adds so much. He's the type of guy that I could hit that as time goes on, he'll probably get more and more prominent roles because he does such a great job. And it's not to say that Fox doesn't have great no. people. I mean, Regan Smith does a really good job. Jamie Little. But there is Jamie Little, but there is kind of this. It's just got a uh, yeah. I think dryness is a, the right word for it, and I think that Clint's just gonna give them all life. Jamie Mack. Jamie McMurray is another. He's really great, and he's he's great to listen to too. But I think that Clint's just going to add a whole other dimension that is going to rub off on everybody on the team. So I'm looking forward to to Fox returning next year, um, yeah. more so than in years the last couple of years. So yeah, that should be good. Daytona 500 <laughs> coming to you in three months, four months, whatever it is. <laughs> right, five right around the corner. Know, I don't know. Right around the corner. Um, so speaking of journalism. Um, I have a minor, a minor, uh, I don't know, uh, chip on my shoulder. Jim Utter. Jim, well, Jim Utter, and but first, uh, on a little bit of a lighter note, um, I probably should have talked about this at the top, but I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, Bob Pockris tweeted something that we don't, we didn't expect from Bob. It took me forever to find it because he tweeted 300 times before uh, I could find it. <laughs> this is a quote from Bob Pockris on Twitter. I don't want to see a race in the rain. Just like I don't want to, just like I don't like a football playoff game in the snow. That he lost me right there. I want drivers to be able to showcase their talents in the playoffs and racing in the rain. For many of these drivers with so little experience, is just about not running off course. I was like, I read this and I was like, what? 
like this is the best time to prove you know what i can do this i can mm-hmm. race in the rain never really done it, doing it before and it's going to be awesome when i come out on the other side and granted the one of the best road course racers aj Allmendinger, won so whatever <laughs> and we really didn't get much rain in the cup race but I was shocked to hear that. Hey, who doesn't like a football game in the snow? For real, I love Come football on. games. Though. Like, <laughs> man, like Lambeau Field. You know, did you see the breath and like right. d- just the thought of being tackled in that incredibly cold weather? Just makes me so thankful for you know my warm couch with a cup of coffee watching that game. <laughs> and then there is literally you cannot make a more even playing field than racing in the rain. That is for any racing series, like. You go to F1, if it rains, well, Mercedes and Ferrari, with today's Ferrari, are on a somewhat a level playing field. Because <laughs> literally, it's it's 100% driver. Yeah. I mean, it, just to reiterate what we said earlier, Ty Dillon won the first stage. Exactly. And Timmy Hill finished fifth. Exactly. Now, I know part of that was, for some of the Timmy Hill getting up there, was partly because half the field pitted to, you know, cycle through after um the stage in a few laps but not ty Dillon. he just drove up to the lead you know partly pit strategy but he just it was great in the rain and once the rain stopped he he faded and then he had other issues but um yeah it brings out let's it brings out the talent in the guys so i i love to see it it's not now it's not something i want to see several times a year or maybe even every year but once you know every couple of years or even maybe once a year that's that's a cool thing to see yeah you know so i've been wanting it to rain at watkins Glen so many times <laughs> i feel like it's always been on the cusp of rain like they, they've got the rain tires ready to go and it's gonna rain and it never rains that's one spot i'd love, like to see it rain um I think next year that would probably be the only place I'd want to see it rain only because we've seen the Milwaukee's Glen for X amount of years. Uh, mm-hmm. Coda, I've been there when it's raining. And it's not fun. <laughs> Texas mm-hmm. in rain, not fun. It was cold. Um, but they'll be there in May. And that track in the sunlight and just an awesome warm day would be good to see. So with these new tracks, I don't want to see rain like with um, Road America and Coda. I wouldn't mind seeing rain at IMS. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's a roval kind of racetrack and whatever but it would probably flood like crazy there because it's incredibly flat Mm -hmm. it's no hills and you obviously don't want rain at the roval because you'll be there right just a nice cool yeah i thought about (laughs) i thought about that like i was thinking like man do i would i want to be sitting there and i was back and forth on it i think overall i would definitely want it to be dry I mean, we did go to a race where it rained the entire time at Martinsville. That was a that was the most that was the most missed <laughs> I've ever been a part of in my entire life. It was man, that was a, that was the best miserable day ever. Yeah, I think <laughs> we had like our hoodies on with our hoods like tied. And, and, and we were yeah, we were like, <laughs> I am freezing. <laughs> but you know, was it was that the same race? It was a forty percent. It's a rain. <laughs> yes. 40% means there's a 60% chance of sun. False. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it works. But that's how it works at 4 a.m. when you wake up to go. Sun. <laughs> sun. Oh, man. That was so long ago. Yes, it was. Oh, yes, but it was. You mentioned Jim Utter. Um, total switch of gears here. Uh, I didn't see this tweet, but um, 
Jim Utter created a hashtag called uh, Anxiety Alex. And what that comes from is um, later in the race yesterday, Alex Bowman um, said he was feeling very ill in the car, like he wanted to throw up. And that was because he was nervous and getting anxious about uh, making it to the next round of the playoffs because he really wasn't too much of a threat of not being in the playoffs. He had like a, a cushion of about... T- Throughout the day, it was like anywhere from 20 to 29 points. I mean, nine points is, I mean, 20 to 29, nine points is a lot. But mm-hmm. he had a fairly good cushion, and a few of the other guys, the guys below him, really didn't have a chance. I think at this point, Clint Boyer was already out, like no chance of getting getting in and whatnot. But he was um, just not feeling well, and, and the, um, NBC broadcasted that radio chatter. So I believe following that, broadcast bit uh jim utter tweeted something about anxiety alex and the tweet has i'm pretty sure been since deleted i can't find it anxiety is not to be messed around with like that's not cool um i mean jim utter is known to be he pokes the bear he is a twitter troll it's why he's basically kind of famous um with with the media world um but that was just a dig that you just don't do especially in this day and age where literally everything is offensive but i mean anxiety and um that's that's a condition that's that's a medical condition that is a real thing people battle with it because it coincides a lot with depression and and um like suicide and things like that and it was really unprofessional for for him to do that that's that's kind of all i have on it um yeah yeah. it's a it's an it because that was Alex made the made the the somewhat of a joke. He's like, nah, it's just it's just all the the anxiety from everything like that. It's he said it's just anxiety me anxiety me. Regular Alex will be back shortly. Was yeah. kind of the joke he made. Right. Um, and that's it's one of those things where like sometimes sometimes like whenever I'm struggling with some type of anxiety or something like that, like joking about it with other people is helpful. In oh, a yeah, way, because it's sure. just kind of verbalizing it. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, if I was in Alex's shoes and somebody was making that joke, I would kind of enjoy going along with that. Like, that would be helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that I wouldn't mind being in Alex's shoes or something like that. And someone started making like jokes about, oh, that's anxiety, Josh. Like, that would be helpful for me. But. For a person that's using, that is a a media journalist that is representing, you know, a sport to other people. B is using. I didn't use an A, but B <laughs> second is uh, is on a platform where it's speaking to other people that don't deal with anxiety the same way. Mm-hmm. That don't have necessarily the it isn't helpful for them to hear that um or to think of things that way it's just people respond to things differently and that that can be hurtful to it is very unwise to start making those jokes in that type of platform and so that's the the thing that's really frustrating is just that there's there's just not a lack of thought or really care for other people in that instance, um, where I think that's kind of the, the call is to think, I mean, that should always be in whatever we do, whatever we say, think, do, or tweet. Is this edifying for the people that are listening? Is this, what is this helpful? Yeah. And I don't believe. And so 
that's the the thing that's frustrating, especially this week, as uh, Gluck pointed out, is a has an emphasis on mental health awareness and things like that. And so, yeah. so yeah, that's annoying thing to see. Um, Jim, Jim Utter has a tendency to be annoying to yeah. poke the bear. This is why you have to have friends that you can text what you want to tweet, but no, you shouldn't tweet, but you need to get it out <laughs> some way, shape, or form. So you yes. text one of your good friends and you feel better about it. Or you just type it out and then you delete it. Yes. I've done that many times and it helps a lot. It also helps not having many followers because then you can tweet something, think about it, and 20 minutes later go back and be, ah, I, I'm going to delete this. Yeah. And nobody's seen it because right. you don't have any followers. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of uh, followers and tweeting, um, Red Flags and Red Cards has a Twitter account now. So go yes. follow that. It's mainly Josh. Actually, it's all Josh right now because I haven't <laughs> logged into it yet. Um, go check it out. It's um, it's it's just good, colorful commentary of of uh, of sports and it's great you never really know what he's watching so it's really good if you go back to his past tweets on his personal account that's what you're going to see um on any upcoming red flags red cards tweets so go give us a follow and be entertained um moving on uh did you catch any of the f1 race I watched the highlights and it looked wild. It was really good. Um, there was a, I feel like this has been a trend with a lot of F1 races where it has somewhat of a dry spell in the middle and then the end kind of ramps up. That kind of happened here. The beginning was nuts. It, um, uh, just a, a crazy start. You thought the Mercedes were going to take each other out mm-hmm. and, um, you thought Max was, was going to get you know get by him and get a win. That did not happen, and then a lot of um, a lot of uh, power failures. Um, Valtteri Bottas he uh, he had a they put in a different something new in the car something with the power unit. He had a failure, so he retired. Um, who else retired? Lando Norris. Lando Norris retired. That was kind of comical. If you go back to his uh, radio chatter, it's it's quite comical. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any of my notes with me. I'm trying to... George Russell had a gnarly wreck from getting hit by Kimi Raikkonen. It made him launch into the air, and it broke his left rear yeah, ax- that was crazy. axle. That was nuts. And a um, few other retirements in there. I can't remember. Oh, um, um, Esteban Ocon retired, which uh, made me nervous because he's uh, Danny Rick, Danny Rick's um, teammate at Renault, so... It, I think that was another power unit failure, so I was very nervous for Danny Rick because he was flirting with getting a podium, which, spoiler alert, he did get a podium for the first time Woo-hoo. in two years. First podium for Renault since 2011. Let's go. Wow. Um, hindsight 2020, everyone's thinking that he is moving away from Renault too soon. Um, with the recent success they've had, I, I'm a little biased. I'm thinking, well... For that first year that he was with Renault, it was garbage, and then the beginning of this year was garbage, and now they're showing promise that they're good, so I don't blame him for going to McLaren. Plus, you're going to McLaren, and you're going to get to go be Lando Norris's teammate, so that's pretty fun. Yeah, for real. At the rate they're improving, they might get a second podium in five years. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Well, they're not going to be called Renault next year. They're going to be called something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Oh, when the weekend started, they didn't get the first two practices in because the fog was so low um, that the emergency helicopter couldn't leave. 
Mm. They like wow. uh, it didn't have enough uh, clearance, so they had to postpone the first two practices. So it was kind of a preview of what the race will look like in Imola when they just have a two race week, two day race weekend, where they have one ninety minute practice, a qualifying, and then a race. So kind of taking on the somewhat NASCAR approach of you know cutting a lot of things. Um, Nico Hulkenberg subbed Lance Stroll last minute um, because uh, Lance Stroll was not feeling well. And Nico got was sitting down for coffee with a friend at 11 o'clock in the morning when he got a call from the guys at Racing Point to come race. Thankfully, <laughs> he had already planned on going to the track to do some media stuff. So uh, he raced Lance Stroll's car. He didn't have a bad day. I believe he finished in the points. And uh, yep. really cool to see, um, was it Martin Brundle made a good point. Martin Brundle's one of the Sky Sky Sport F1 commentators. He uh, he made a good point of what if he takes Alex Albon's seat at Red Bull? Hmm. Yeah, I was shocked to hear that, but Alex really hasn't performed like we thought he would, which is really unfortunate. I mean, uh, I was been cheering for him to do well because he's a really good, talented race car driver, as they all are. That's why they're all there. Right. But, um, so that is, uh, I have no other source other than him just saying that kind of off the cuff. So we'll see what happens there. Also heard him say that there's a good chance that Mick Schumacher, the son of Michael Schumacher, could be taking uh, Giovinazzi's spot at Alfa Romeo. Oh, wow. So that's more little minor silly season stuff. Again, this is just talk. It's nothing official. Right. Um, so, in true Formula One fashion, Lewis Hamilton won the race, and he tied Michael Schumacher for most wins ever with ninety-one. That's a That's crap incredible. ton of of wins. For real, and it's not races. like it's not like NASCAR where there's you know thirty-six races in a season, and you know, and historically, you know, Richard Petty has two hundred wins, but. At that time, there was like 93 races in a year or something like that sometimes. But Formula One, you're talking about 15 to 20 yeah. races generally. And right. so that's crazy. It's just, it, yeah, and it, it just really speaks to the Mercedes camp and how powerful and just fast they are week in, week out, year in, year out. Um, so, I mean, it, it's awesome for him. He's very, he's was very humbled by it and really thankful to, to even be in that position. So, um, yeah, just, you know, the podium, they said, um, before I get to the podium, um, this was the first time since 2010 that nine different manufacturers were in, or teams made the points. Mm. This, this wow. race, that's pretty awesome. Uh, but on the podium, first up was Lewis Hamilton, second, Ole Max, and third, my dude, Danny Ricardo, with a third-place finish. I love that they have podiums. It really, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, of course, we want to celebrate the winner. You know, he's at the top step. But, like, we get to just celebrate the top three. It's It's very weird. It's not a very American thing to celebrate the losers, if you will. Mm-hmm. But there's just something special about the podium, and Danny Rick was able to get that. He's a, he said in his post-race interview that it was such a fresh feeling because he hadn't experienced a podium finish in two and a half years. So you could just see on his face how thankful he was and uh, just so happy to do it. He did not do his signature shoey on the podium, which is when he puts the champagne in his sweaty 
racing boot <laughs> and drink the champagne. However, he did do it in his changing area, in the Renault changing area. He did it on his Instagram. Nice. And he was like, he's like, I got so caught up in the moment that I forgot to do it. So here we go. <laughs> so he did it, and it was disgusting and great all at the same time. So yeah. It was, so. It was neat to kind of see that, or just kind of just give a, a picture of what that's like. Is as they come by the checkered flag, they the when Hamilton did he what was coming to take it, he drove to the side of the track where his team was, mm-hmm. and they're all like reaching through the fence, like cheering and celebrating. Yeah. But then uh, even Verstappen and Ricardo, Ricardo both came through and did the same thing. Yeah, and you could see the the fist pumping that was happening for Renault was way more intense and exuberant oh, man. than it was for the uh, the Mercedes crew. It looked were, like... <laughs> you know, Go ahead. They were also very excited, but it was like another level of celebration. Yeah, Renault looked like they were about to take out the fence. <laughs> <laughs> they were just hanging off that yeah. thing, about to push it down. Uh, yeah, so because Max got the... Uh, he got the fastest lap on the last lap, which to those who don't know, get the fastest lap of the race, you get an extra championship point if you finish mm-hmm. in the points. So they got another one of those, which I think adds a nice little element to the end of a race. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, you know what, we're not going to win. So if we can, let's, if we're not going to like lose a position, let's come in for new tires and see how fast we can go. You know, there's barely any fuel still in the car. The batteries are fully charged. So go. And you can do that when it, a pit stop takes six seconds and you have a 56 second advantage over third place. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so yeah, literally it was like one point, like from the first to second, it's like 1.4 and second to third, it was like, uh, 17 seconds or something like that. And then like third to fourth, 56 seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's huh? what it was. Do what? It was something like that. I could be, I, I could be up a little bit, but yeah, you're totally right. It's, 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 it's comical. That's, that's mm-hmm. for sure. But hopefully in a year and a half in 2022, We'll uh, we'll experience something a little different with some closer racing. Um, so. um, one other thing to just bring out with Nico Hulkenberger, Hulkenberger, Hulkenberger. Sure. Hulkenberg <laughs> is he's around in two races this year and currently sits fifteenth in points with ten points. So he sits ahead of the boys in uh, Williams. Yep, and Alpha Romeo, Haas. That is comical. <laughs> he's ahead of all of them, um, he's he in a good uh, car. Yeah, so one more race and he could he could move himself up into if he gets were to like get one more race and score ten points in it per se, he would jump ahead of Sebastian Vettel. Oh, that's a stat. If he would get eight more points, he's seven points behind Sebastian Vettel and he's run two races. Yikes! That's incredible. Well, Sebastian's gonna be in that car next year. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean. Um, he's going to do better than than ferrari next year because ferrari has already said what you see this year is basically what you're going to see next year as far as performance which is very unsettling yeah i feel bad for carlos Sainz, but yeah i'm sure they'll get their get the gears out from under them yeah i don't know that's a bad saying i don't know they'll they'll be fine yeah but that's f1 not another race for two weeks where we'll see the guys in portugal that'll be fun never been to that track before Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, should we get on to your segment? Yeah, play on yellow card, red card. I'm going to throw something out there, and if Nick likes it, agrees with it, he's going to say play on. If he has some hesitancy or is conflicted, he's going to say yellow card. And if he doesn't like it, red card. And today's segment's going to be a little different. It's going to be all soccer, and it's four out of the five are going to come from a specific article from ESPN um, that's looking at Arsene Wenger, who is now... Um, works for FIFA is considering some different rule changes to bring into soccer and he has four that he's proposing and so I'm gonna give these proposals to Nick and see what he thinks about Mm. these proposals okay Um, so the first one is about changing the offside rule as it stands right now you have in order to be onside you have to be lined up with the defender that is the, the next to last defender, including the goalie. So really the last defender. And if any bit of you is ahead of him, it's offside. So what he wants to, he's proposing is that you are still considered onside as long as some part of your body that you can score with is in line with the body of the defender. Meaning most of your body can be ahead of the guy, but if your trailing foot is still in line with the defender, then you're considered onside. yellow card um i do i mean he makes a good point because we're at we're at a in a var time of of soccer where if your pointer fingers fingernail is past the defender it's offside um i give it a yellow card because it, it it could go either way this could hurt or be really good for the sport um and it would just be interesting to see. I'd like to see it happen, and um, but at the same time, I'm totally fine with keeping the normal offside rule. Yeah, I think uh, it it it'd be interesting. It creates some like hockey type things where uh-huh. hockey, as long as you you see guys like trailing their leg behind, and I I don't know. It could I think it'd make things a little easier to rule whether or not something's offside. It's like okay. You can see it's blocking a part of his body with his foot, so mm-hmm. he's onside. Um, but it gives guys an opportunity to get in behind people, players a little easier. Um, so a second one that he is considering proposing is that uh, making the statement that with throw-ins, you're essentially having 9 against 10, and 80% of the throw-ins end up getting lost by the team with the throw-in. And so what he's proposing is that at the 85th minute, five minutes before the technically official end of the game throw-ins taken in your own half may be taken as a free kick instead what's the difference well like let's say it goes out of bounds you know in your half and you're you got to throw it in but instead now you could put it down on the end line and and kick it in to try and the idea is you can kick it further downfield and throw something into the box or something to try and get 85th minute? Yeah, 85th minute on. Uh, <laughs> these are <laughs> these are good. Um, yeah, play on. That'd be interesting. That might that, right. that might that might make for some uh, late game ties or leads. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's the that's probably the most out there one in my it's opinion. It's out there. That um, took some thought. Yeah. At the 84th so, minute. Not the 86 right. minute. 85. <laughs> yeah, 
And it's like, well, why do it in the last five minutes? Why not the last 10 minutes? Why yeah. not after the night? You know, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, next one is on a corner kick, elimination of out of bounds. So out swinging corner kicks. It's if right now, if you play the corner kick and it goes a little bit out of bounds and then curves back in, it's considered out of bounds. So he's saying basically eliminate out of bounds on the initial kick on a corner kick. Mm, I like that idea, but no. Red card. Yeah. Just get better at kicking the ball. Just in, get better at kicking the bounce. ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is considering playing free kicks to yourself. So basically, you can <laughs> just start dribbling the ball. Uh, yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. That's weird, but I didn't play soccer, so you might be able to speak better into that than I. Yeah. The only I like the offside change. Um, the more I think, I, I'm not a huge fan of the throw-in being kicking. The more I think about it, okay. um, eliminating out of bounds on corner kicks, um, just kick it, just kick it better. Yeah, just, <laughs> just don't just, kick it out of bounds. Just, just, um, just watch Lionel Messi do it. He's fine. Yeah. Right. Everyone can beat him. But playing free kicks to yourself is the one that I'm most like. No. <laughs> really? Okay. Like, yeah. Somebody else has to touch it, or it has to go in the goal. But that's just. It would just be, it'd just be chaos in my opinion to just, uh, the guy's just dribbling and you're like, well, all right, well, we yeah, were set up for nothing. That's a good point because doesn't the, def- like when you have a free kick, doesn't the defender have to give you space to take that free kick? Yeah, they gotta yeah, be 10 okay. yards away. Yeah, so with that, that then you just, if, if you let the guy take the free kick, take the free kick to himself, then you just gave him 10 yards to do whatever he wants, like to move around. Yeah, I changed my mind. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, and the uh, the final one, this isn't uh, from the article. This is just something um, that I'd like to, well, I think I know what your thought will be, but um, soccer should consider switching to a two-referee system where there's two refs on the field. No. No? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, here, here, one gun. here's my well. Here's my one thought, and mm-hmm. you could. Pro- I'm sure you can sway me. Um, my one <laughs> thought is like, okay, so guy gets tack, uh, makes a tackling move in the box, but you're not quite sure if it's worthy of a penalty kick or not. Like maybe, like you know, that's what. So that scenario. Well, what if one ref thinks it's it's worthy of a penalty kick and then the other one doesn't? Do we do what we do right now and, and leave up to VAR? Um, that would I be think, my one conflicting thing. I think, I mean, there's a couple different ways of doing it. One is, obviously, if you have two guys with two different opinions, then VAR makes the final decision. Another way of doing it is you have one's the head ref, and he's above all. Or the other is they're assigned different halves of the field. And one's oh. in charge of one half, and one's in charge of the other half. Um, just thinking of, Did you I don't think know. of this, or is this proposed by Mr. Fanger? Um, this is something I thought of from a conversation with Andy, um, oh. our, our friend Andy. We were talking. He was bringing up, do you think that linesmen will eventually be done away with? And I don't think they'll get to that point. Mm, I don't um, see that happening. But I could see a, a two. I think adding a second ref on the floor would be good. I mean, that did wonders for the NHL when they added a second ref on the ice. And That's all true. of a sudden there was just another set of eyes helps generally. So... But so I, I those mean, are. I, I give it a whirl, as as Home Alone would say. I'll give it a whirl. 
<laughs> so that's our uh, play on yellow card, red card segment for the evening. Nice. Well, the only Thanks way... for playing along. Yeah, yeah, it was great. That was fun. Dude, yeah, I might add some carnival music to that. Um, yeah, the only other thing we have to, I want to touch real quick on is um, as a Washington NFL team fan, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, uh, we don't like the Cowboys. It's not in our blood. Doesn't matter who's playing where. We do not like any Cowboy player. However, Dak Prescott had a gnarly injury yesterday where his ankle pointed the wrong way. It caused his foot to point the wrong way. And it was nasty. The dude was in tears. He's getting, you know, he gets on the, the little cart thing, medical cart. He's crying. His his teammates are you know fist pumping him, high fiving him. He's Dax, you know, giving a fist pump to the crowd, saying you know I'm okay. But that guy's in sheer pain. And speaking for me personally, I have broken my ankle on a pickup game football field. It is not fun. And I wish him the best recovery. I really do, because man, breaking your ankle sucks. Mm. You don't realize how much. You use it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're driving, you're walking, you're running, you're you're sitting a certain way. Um, it was just a nasty picture, Josh. Didn't you say that you couldn't even watch a video? You just saw a picture, and that was enough for you. Yeah, that was that was somebody. I walked into the the house that we were having Bible study in, and they were showing him getting carted off the field. And somebody just pulled up a picture. Like, well, they pulled up like the video to show, mm-hmm. and it was on a still of it. I was like, "That's all I need to see. I get it. His <laughs> ankle's broken. I don't need to see how this happened. Copy I just, that. I don't handle that well. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not nice. It, uh, yeah. So anyway, I wish him the best. I hope he's back. Just from a competitive standpoint and a sportsmanship standpoint, I hope he's back before the season's out. I really don't see it happening. But uh, anyway, all the best to him and all those things. Um, anything else you got? Yeah, I, there's a couple just cool sports things. Um, congratulations to the Lakers on winning their 12th or 17th championship, depending on <laughs> who you ask. Um, 12th as the Los Angeles Lakers, 17th, including their five as minnesota lakers um it was really fun to watch i once the games were on abc i watched pretty much all of games one through five um game five was excellent with the the duel lebron and um jimmy butler going back and forth was just great fun to watch mm. at the end of that jimmy butler hit or i believe it was he got fouled which led to them making the ultimately go ahead winning free throws i believe it was um and he was just completely gassed on the side of the the court like he could he just had a phenomenal finals um went all out and it was it was great to watch but once that happened i was like ah this this series is over mm-hmm. he exerted all his energy in game six or in game five and lakers are going to steamroll him in game six and that's exactly what they did um but still really impressive lebron james becomes the first player to win finals with three different teams wow which is incredible good for him um yeah he's a phenomenal player um so that was really fun to watch um and then hockey 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 has played with my emotions in such an incredible way this week (laughs) (laughs) as you guys heard on the podcast last week the 
if you listened, we had the NHL draft happening, and there was this little bit of frustration where the Sabres, in my opinion, passed up, and a lot of people's opinion, passed up on a better player to draft a not-as-good player. Um, but obviously time will tell with that. But then the next, rest of the week was just misery for Sabres fans. First, they didn't qualify Dominic Cahoon, who was one of the few players on their team that had positive possession. He was just a really looking like a great player, and they're like, ah, we're not going to qualify him. We'll let him get a free agency. Like, ah, that was a mistake. The second thing they did was they overpaid for their fourth-line winger, um, which it's fine to have him continue on the team, but it was like, why are you paying him that much more than he's worth? Then they signed Cody Eakins, who's a black hole on his team, and he makes his teammates worse. Oh. And they signed him, and they're like, he's the guy that we've targeted to be you know, one of the guys we most wanted. And it's like, why did you want him? Nobody, everyone else is like, why would you target him as, as that? They overpaid for him. Then you find out Larson, who was their best defense, defensive forward, wanted to resign with them, signed with the Coyotes for two years at $1.5 million. They didn't even talk to him. You're like, this team is hopeless, not going anywhere. Then all of a sudden they signed Taylor Hall to a one-year deal. I saw that. (laughs) For like a million dollars, isn't it? It's one year, $8 million. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, how did you pull that off? Like, it was nothing but miserable moves all week. And then they just, like, come out and they sign the best free agent one of the two best free agents and it's not a long-term deal it's a one-year deal and i'm like this is brilliant and it was the highest of highs after the lowest of lows this week and so sports man and it's not even in season it's just no we still got three months to go (laughs) right which i saw something on my time hop today it said i tweeted i think it was four years ago it says hockey's back no it's not (laughs) a few more months uh, the quick, yep. quick little sports thing I want to say, and then we gotta get off here because I gotta go. Um, yeah. um, advertisements work, and here's what I'm saying here: uh, the official tire for Formula One is Pirelli, and I'm getting new tires on my truck this week, and I've been shopping around, going through a few different brands, brands I like, and and coinciding with you know how much I want to pay. Well, long story short, I'm getting Pirelli tires because Formula One. <laughs> 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 and I'm very excited about it. Like, I've never been this excited about a tire purchase. And they come with a great warranty. I got them for a really good price. And I'll have Pirellis on my Toyota Tundra. Thank you, F1. Thank you for Pirelli. And um, I'm not spending nearly as much money as those guys spend on one tire. But uh, that's all I have. Advertisements work. Absolutely, they do. Except awesome I, don't, I, don't, I don't really like Goodyear because bored. <laughs> I mean, I still am like more likely to go to Lowe's than Home Depot simply because of Tony Stewart. I switched on that. Did you? Well, oh yeah, like a, like two years ago because I was renovating a house and I was like, Home Depot's better. But oh. there are times when Lowe's is definitely better. I will say, especially in COVID times, Lowe's is better. Hmm. Yep. And now I'm gonna go to Lowe's probably more because Alex Bowman next year. Oh yeah, yes, we can talk about that. We can talk about it later. Yeah. Cool, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Wow. Once again, this episode went long. and we, All we had to talk about was racing today. <laughs> Good job. We're awesome. Love it. Yes, we are. Um, I'm Nick. And I'm Josh. And we will talk to you guys later. Bye.